Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome into the latest edition of Hear That Podcast. Growling, Paul Ener Jr. and Jay Morrison of The Athletic. Excited to be with you on a Monday morning here as we record. Bengals off day. Uh, really, ten, really the camp, a lot of the camp portion of practice is wrapped kind of. You know, you've got 10 practices down. They're in game week mode, which is still, you know, a lot of camp prep stuff, but you're in that rotation of preparing for game, playing game, preparing for game, playing game. And um, so we we have it's a little bit of a turning of the page in front of us. How are we doing, Jay? Doing great. I, I think for next week's stats, we need I need to count this week how many times a player says hit somebody in a different colored helmet because no, that's yeah. usually the the common quote from week one of the preseason. Yeah, yeah. Um, certainly, the Bengals' offense wouldn't mind going up against somebody different <laughs> here for a little while just to change it up, uh, which is a wild thing to say. But we'll get into that. And we'll continue to. Um, dive into the latest developments in that storyline, specifically Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, um, how they've done. They're bouncing back from the early parts. And really, Joe Burrow saying all the things that we've been saying. <laughs> and I, I think that's a, a big part of the storyline and part of why you know he's kind of got that, that extra it and leader stuff about him as he knows when it's time to say something. And, and, and there is no sugarcoating. Um, and there's no lack of accountability and all other stuff, but we're going to, well, so we're going to get to that. We're going to bring you some of Joe Burrow from Saturday, which was a very eventful day, uh, down at Paul Brown stadiums. Uh, so we're going to kind of discuss a lot of the stuff that happened there. And then also on Sunday, we've got offensive line, very interesting offensive line developments, I would say, um, uh, my risers and fallers from the first 10 practices is out on the athletic right now. Uh, get in today. I believe this is the, we're really at the very end of our promo deal for 50% off. So if you, if you wanted to subscribe and you forgot to and haven't done it today is the day. Go to, uh, risers and fallers. Jay has a wrap up of Sunday's practice. Also a story on Forrest Gregg that you wrote, Jay is up, uh, on the site as part of the NFL 100 series that is ongoing. I'll have one coming up on that series. Uh, in a couple of weeks, <laughs> knock on wood, <laughs> I can finish that. Uh, but so a lot is up there. Just go click on any of the links and you can get a chance to subscribe uh, for 50% off. Uh, should we just jump right? Let's just jump right into Burrow and Chase here. Yeah. Um, look, I mean, we y- you listened on Thursday and um, we were discussing Burrow and, and the frustrations and the struggles through the first you know, week of practices and 
I was Nick Cage in The Weatherman. People were throwing big gulps at me. Jay thinks people should just continue to throw things at me for some reason. <laughs> I didn't really understand why you're you're asking people to do that. For some reason, for my entertainment. That's yeah. the sole reason. <laughs> uh, well, I think it, it. a lot of that came to a head on Saturday. Uh, Burrow came out on Friday, and it was another rough day for the offense. A lot of the same that it had been, and Burrow speaks to the media on Saturday before the camp practice. And Jay, what? Here's the thing. What were you thinking he was going to say? I I wasn't sure. I I, I he he's always so honest and direct, but he also exudes confidence. So. I wasn't sure whether we were going to get, yes, this is bad, but we're going to get it figured out or just, you know, everything's fine. It's early. You know, there's no reason to panic. And and we got more of just kind of brutal honesty that, yes, it's not been good enough. And um, a couple of things I really like that he said, I, I like the part about where he said he did say it's not time to hit the panic button. He said, if this is still going on week one, it is time to hit the So he it's time to hit the panic button. So he he basically put a deadline on when he needs to get this thing figured out and when fans have the right to get worried. And it, it was just, it was refreshing. It's always refreshing when he talks. Um, the, the other thing that really stood out to me was um, he talked about getting more, he was honest and said it's mental. You don't hear a lot of guys say that. And he he talked about having more activity around him in the pocket to get him used to the live rush. And then later when we were talking to Brian Callahan, I asked him, you know, whose idea was that to put bodies around him, you know, not players, but coaches. And, and he said it was Joe's. I mean, Joe feels uncomfortable and his solution for that was give me more of it. So I, I think that that's a good sign that, even though he said it's mental, it's not something that anyone should be worried about, that it's it's going to get fi- figured out sooner rather than later. Yeah. I mean, he basically came out and said, everything that you guys have been saying and writing and talking about is happening. There was no sugarcoating. Whereas we, we've gone through kind of a week of people sort of softly making excuses for Joe. You know, I mean, because it's not anybody else's place to come out and say, man, that Burrow guy is sucking right now. I mean, that's, and not that that's the case, but that, that no one's going to come out and do that. I mean, you know, there's a lot of, you know, yeah, well, you know, it's just part of it. And, the, and, and all that stuff is true, but only Burrow can be the one to come out and be like, look, it's bad and, and I need to be better and it's got to happen now. It's time to go, right? I mean, and and that I think is, you know, uh, refreshing acknowledgement for everybody else to hear and, and, to, and to hear how he's approaching it. The same way he approaches everything, work, put in the work, understand that it's going to happen it's gonna, and believe in it. You know, work and confidence are sort of the the, the ultimate Joe Burrow stew uh, that he cooks up for just about anything. And and that seems to be how he's approaching this. I don't, I don't want to go any longer without you guys hearing Joe. So we're going to bring in, kind of splice together about – you know, uh, about five minutes here of Burrow on a, on a few different topics. Uh, this is from Saturday. And then after that, we're going to come back and discuss the interesting things that happened 
after Burrow said a lot of these things. So here is uh, here's your quarterback, Joe Burrow. How are you affected by the pass rush right now? How has it affected you as far as reading, progressing, all those things? Yeah, you know, I have still got still getting my feet underneath me in that sense. Um, have a ways to go there, but you know, I've day two of padded practices. Today's day three or day three, so you know, nothing to, nothing to worry about right now. But you know, need to get going. Is there, is there anything that not struggle? But I mean, is there anything that? Uh, you know, you're still like, I can, I can physically do this better. I need more reps doing this, whether it's moving left, moving right, whatever it is. Um, yeah, it's everything. It's just getting more comfortable in the pocket. Um, you know, today we're going to have a bunch of people around me in seven-on-seven seven and individual drills just to, to get that feeling back. Um, you know, that's kind of the last step for me is just get my pocket presence back, you know, understand when I'm pressured, when I'm not. Um, just getting that whole feeling back that I've that I've been really good at for a long time. So when you're um, you're going through what you're going through, you know that that final fundamental process there. How has it affected your accuracy? You know, in, in the team drills, it's affected it for sure. Um, I just need to get back to being able to feel the people around me as opposed to seeing the people around me. Um, you know, I've always had a great feel for the pocket and feel for where everybody is and you know it's just going to take some reps to get that back and you know I feel great in seven on seven feel great routes on air all that good stuff it's just the the team part where I need to get that feeling back is that the internal clock show that a lot of quarterbacks talk about yeah it's, it's just a little sped up right now and you know something that makes me who I am is being able to stand in there and take a hit and throw the ball where it needs to go with, with pressure on me, and so that'll be what I need to get back to. So was talking to Ricardo Allen yesterday, who's been around a great quarterback, and Matty Ryan, he makes a very favorable comparison to you, and Matty says, one of the things is, he says, I'd like to see a great quarterback get frustrated, because A, it means a lot to him, and B, you know he's going to work on it. So, I mean, it looks like you've been frustrated. Where would you, yeah. put, your, where would you put your level of frustration? Uh, it's up there. It's frustrating right now, more so just not feeling like myself. Um, you know, and I know I put the work in to to make my knee feel good, make my body ready for the season. Um, it's just now trusting my abilities, trusting my work, trusting um, everything. Have you at you know LSU high school at any level had a, a camp where it has kind of started slow and you've had to deal with some frustrations and work through some things, or has it always just been really smooth? I mean, every camp starts starts slow. It's you know you don't just. It's very rare that you just jump right back in and go on 100%, feeling great. Every ball's not hitting the ground. All you know that's that's very rare, and you know especially with the circumstances. So you know we're not we're not panicking right now. We got plenty of time before the first game, month and a week, however many practices that is. Um, so we'll get it right. Expectations. Uh can be, you know, good obviously, they, but they can also be a pain in the ass. I mean, there's a double-edged sword there with them. Uh, how, how do you look at them? Do you look at expectations and, uh, as a privilege? Do you look at it as, you know, I don't care what people's expectations are? How do you look at No, that? I don't. I can guarantee my expectations of myself oh, and my. everyone around me are higher than anybody else's. So, you know, when I hear everything, it doesn't really, doesn't really, it kind of goes in one ear and out the other. It's 
you know, I have really high expectations of, of myself and, and of our team that are higher than anybody else's. Does it appear to you to say, well, you know, I just had major surgery just a few months back and does everybody think I'm Superman? Or, I mean, did you even think that, uh, man, let's get real here or is, you don't even bother with any of that stuff? Um, you know, I thought about that last night and, you know, I kind of have to temper my expectations of myself down a little bit so I don't get too frustrated. Um, when we get closer to game one, if, I'm, if this is still happening, then you know the panic button will start off. But um, right now, there's, there's no panic button going on. Uh, just got to get the reps back. So there's Burrow. And, and, and yeah, I mean, like, like we were saying, I mean, that's, you know, it's it's mental. I'm uncomfortable, but it's part of the process. It's it's what I have to do. I have to get better at it, and and it's time to do it now. And you know, admitting you know, I'm as my expectations are higher than anybody's. I'm as frustrated as anybody by what's going on out there. But it's it's the part of the process. And when we Thursday, I played you guys, Nick Cosgray, director of rehab, and I keep going back to that as I keep looking at this situation. It it just rings truer every time. It's this is the mental part of the rehab that had to happen. And the only way for it to happen is the way we're watching it is in reps on the practice field, you know, go out there and work the brain, you know, work that side of it in the mix with it real, because it's just really hard. It's really hard to, simulated in any other way and, and that's kind of been proven here the the thing that happens so if you go out to practice on saturday first thing you see burrows out there early working through like padded stuff that he's kind of going through but then in just a very standard drill just a receiver and the quarterback just running through the route tree a little bit brian callahan office coordinator and Darren, dan pitcher uh, the quarterback's coach, otherwise in this drill known as Freeney and Mathis, uh, <laughs> playing the role of intimidating defensive ends. Uh, kind of every time he would throw, they would sort of lean in or step in or get right down near his knee or legs or right around the back of him to give that feel of pressure, even on the most basic throws. So then we had not seen them doing this before. I mean, remember everybody stay away, right? Right. Don't get near him. And that was part of what Joe was talking about was was wanting more of that. Yeah, and then later in the practice, they were all the quarterbacks were throwing to receivers, and the receivers weren't running routes. They were just stationary down the field, and and pitcher and Callahan are bouncing and rolling those big uh, stabilizing balls that you see in gyms. And you know Burrow was rolling out of the pocket, so they were putting pressure around him as he was rolling and, and when he was standing still. Um, it it's interesting. I mean, it's it's something that you you. I've not seen before, but it makes total sense because that is the issue. And the way to address the issue is to do more of it and get him used to it. One of the, one of the more interesting things that from Saturday was someone asked Joe, if he had talked to his dad about kind of these frustrations and the mental block and everything, because his dad was a coach for a long time. Surely he's dealt with guys that have come back from injuries and have sort of a block. And, and Joe said, no, that he is, he has gone into dark mode and he's not talking to anyone except fo about football. And so 
Saturday's practice, Saturday and Sundays were open to fans and Joe, Joe's parents came. So I was chatting him up after practice and, and his dad said he hadn't had a chance to watch the press conference yet. How was Joe? What did he say? And I mentioned that part of it and it was, it was Joe's parents and then another couple from Athens and then Joe's girlfriend. And I said, yeah, he said he's, he's gone into dark mode and he's not talking to anybody right now. And they all turned and looked at his girlfriend and she just knowingly shook her head. Yes. <laughs> not even so, me. <laughs> yep, exactly. So he's, I mean, that, there you go. So that if you if you had any doubts that he's taken this seriously, there there is another uh, reason to to believe him that he is. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Like I said earlier, this is how, this is how Joe Burrow goes after anything. It's like, I am going to be hyper-focused, I'm going to outwork it, and I'm going to have confidence that it's going to get done. And what happens, right? Saturday, they it's it turned into essentially, you know, they're you back in the day you'd get the the mock game or the intra squad scrimmage, which I, I'm so glad they stopped calling it that because it's so hard to say over and over again. <laughs> uh, but they they would have those, and it would be a big day. I mean, I'm going back to you go back to Wilmington, Georgetown, you know, even here recently. I mean, you there was a thing, you know. I mean, it was all it was the big deal that didn't really exist. Uh, Saturday was kind of that a little bit. You had six periods of live move the ball, um, three with ones, three with twos and twos. And it was, and it was slated to go as long as it needed to go. And what we saw was the, the first drive was a little more of the same, a three in and out. And there was a false start, I believe, um, again, which was a really a problem on Friday as the linemen were getting used to Joe starting to work his cadence again, which anybody that watched the Bengals last year knows how good he got at doing that and getting the other team offside. Well, if you've never heard it, uh, it will get you offside, and it did a bunch, including to 
Jackson Carmen, uh, and a number of guys. And it was Dante Smith, I believe, on Saturday in the early one. But then the second drive happened. 14 plays, 75 yards and a touchdown. Burrow uh, was 9-10 for 71 on, on the drive. There were some long third-down conversions. It felt like an exhale, right, Jay? I mean, it felt <laughs> like a little bit of an exhale moment of about damn time. Here we go. Exactly what Burrow had said earlier in the day. It's time to go. And there were a few of those plays that felt, you know, like you're seeing what you expected to see. It wasn't just the fans that exhaled or and Joe that exhaled. I, I think the defense exhaled. There were a number of defensive players that went up and kind of, you know, slapped Joe five or hit a pat him on the shoulders as, you know, they, they were happy to see him get it going, even though it was at their expense, they know that this team is going to go as far as Joe can take him. I think everybody's rooting for that guy to get through whatever's going on with him right now. And I think everybody, like I said, including the defensive players, felt good about that that long drive that ended in a touchdown. There's one play that stood out far above the others from Saturday, and it was a third and 15-ish. It was hard for us to tell the exact line, but it was about third and 15. And – the Burrow drops back, and Michael Jordan actually kind of got pushed, ironically, pushed back into his <laughs> face uh, a little bit um, and forced Burrow to do like a quick little small slide and a step up and threw a bullet on the sideline into a, into a super tight window because Chidobe Awuzie, Chido had great coverage out there, and it – Hits Jamar Chase right on the hands. He toe taps for a 16-yard gain in the first down. And it was kind of all the things you've been talking about with Burrow over the last week shown in one play. You know, the presence in the pocket, the comfort back there to step up, the velocity that we'd heard about him sort of having a little bit more of to get at that extra few yards on the rope into that tight window, and then the number one receiver to make the play and toe tap on the edge um, and, and get it and bring it in. I mean, to me, that was the flash. That was the flash of, okay, it's starting to come around. It's starting to come around. I mean, that's the type of play um, that that you expect to see all the time. And I thought that was a pretty big play inside of a pretty big drive. Starting to come around for both of them. Because yeah. we've, seen, we've yeah. seen Jamar drop wide open passes to make that play it you know contested in that big spot and a, a third down when they're trying to keep the drive moving. You're right. It It just... It felt like a catalyst. And then you had a fourth and five where they're kind of going for it right around the 35-yard line, I think, and Burrow ends up dropping back. Well, he's got T. Higgins on, I believe it was Winston Rose, one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. So that kind of tells you probably where the ball's going <laughs> and just kind of but th threw up. A ball where only six foot four, two hundred and sixteen pound mini Megatron T. Higgins can go up and get it, and he high points it over top of him, you know, as you would expect a guy like him to do. And Bro put it at the perfect spot for Higgins to go to go get it, and he did. And it's kind of okay. You're using your receivers now. Uh, you know, you, you're you're spreading it around. These guys are starting to making a few plays. It was a, it was a good drive, and they end up. Uh, really, a throw to Mixon probably could have, should have been a touchdown as they kind of worked him on a route um, 
on a goal line play. And the referees there ruled it down at the one, and then they ended up give, handing it to Mixon, who stuffed it in at the end uh, for the touchdown. But, you know, all in all, it was one of those that I think just think made everybody feel like, okay, things are starting to come around and start to get that confidence going. Because, I mean, there had just been none of that. I mean, there had been, mm-hmm. there had been none of that mm-hmm. to that point. And Zach Taylor in pre or in midseason form already, kind of holding his tongue about the officials. He he, he felt like that was a <laughs> touchdown from Joe Mixon, but he said the officials said it wasn't, so we had to go with it that it wasn't. But uh, yeah, I, it, it, I, things did backslide a little bit yesterday, but but Saturday certainly a, a big reason to be encouraged. Yeah, um, shift something you mentioned, Jay. I want to dive a little deeper into Jamar Chase. Um, you know, so he's the number one person there's no order in it uh but he he's the first one i have on fallers today and here's the reason why and i try to explain it in there because i don't want this to turn into here we go here's another screenshotted paul downer jr taking shots and the weatherman and big gulps and the whole nine I, <laughs> I i just don't want any people throwing chicken nuggets at me you know so it it, it, it the point being there was a thought out there amongst well, you know, a lot of people in the conversation. This guy is going to show up day one, and he is going to look like an absolute killer. He is going to destroy everything in his path. He's going to be a clear star. You know, sky's the limit, right? Like best receiver we've seen in the last two drafts. He should be instant. His skills, train all these, all these things that were being said. And whose fault is it? Maybe everyone's. Maybe all of ours. You know, overhyping the the top draft pick. He's still a rookie who has not played since January of 2020 in a game, having sat out last year in a new league and a new offense, in a new playbook, trying to figure all that out on the fly kind of for the first time against, you know, some defenders that are playing their ass off. And I think all of that has caused Jamar Chase to be pedestrian thus far and have his drops be quite notable as they've stacked up. I mean, a couple here and there. It's like it's one I I give when there's a drop here, like there's early on a deep ball or another day, there's another drop. You know, you're whatever. It's camp. Look it over the long haul. Well, you give it 10 practices and it's been pretty consistent. Um, Another one on Sunday. It just seems like Something that can happen when you're too much in your head about what am I doing on this play and not playing off instinct. And I think that's part of what we've seen with Chase not be that dominant player thus far as I just think he's like a rookie receiver right now. He's just thinking a lot out there. And when those guys think too much, you don't get them playing off instinct. And I think that's what we're seeing where Jamar Chase is still trying to kind of, you know, get that get that machine rolling that everybody saw all over his 2019 tape. Yeah. I mean, everybody talks about T Higgins, great rookie year last year, right? I mean, there was really no complaints about anything he did. Um, I I went back and I looked at rookies who their drop totals and T Higgins was tied for second in the league last year and drops with eight. It's just, it's just part of it. It's, it's part of getting used to this league. I, I looked at, the sport radar has dropped stats back to 2009. And I looked at the, who has had the most in that period. 
There are some names on there that I think anybody would take on their team. Amari Cooper with 18 the most since 2009. Um, other guys, Evan Ingram, third on that list. Mike Williams, fourth. Calvin Ridley, sixth. Jerry Judy, tied for sixth. T.Y. Hilton, tied for sixth. Debo Samuel, Samuel tenth. Aaron Hernandez, tenth. It just, it just comes with the territory that it, it takes these rookies a while to, not all of them, but it, it, guys that go on to have strong careers, you see that drops can be an issue early in a guy's career. And maybe I should have looked at, you know, drops per target. It, it might have looked different because obviously if you're a rookie like T. Higgins getting tons and tons of targets, it just makes sense. You're going to have more drops, but it's, it's something that can't be ignored with what what's going on with Jamar Chase right now. But at the same time, it, just like with Burrow, it's it's nothing that anyone should be pushing the panic button about. It's just it's something that that is maybe more mental than physical, and he just something he needs to work through. Yeah, uh, yeah, I would agree. I mean, you're you're this is a guy who's out here going against defenses for the first time in a year and a half. I mean, it's a lot, and, and it's just different your concentration levels when you when you've been running routes on air with nobody near you for you know how many months that is uh it's just a it's just a different level of concentration you have to build up to and comfort you have to build up to and and so maybe we're making excuses for him early on I you know I go back I you mentioned Higgins I, I I remember being fairly unimpressed with T Higgins in camp last year he was coming he had the hamstring that slowed him and he was really trying to get used to stuff. He he wasn't making a ton of plays. He'd have like a splash play here or there, but kind of made you wonder. And there and there was a reason why he didn't really play a ton in those first couple of games. And John Ross was playing the, as the guy in those couple of games, and it was okay. Well, Higgins in the background, and it, it took till about game three, game four, and all of a sudden Higgins was the guy, and he was still making a lot of mistakes early in the season and not making a lot of those contested catches early in the season. Uh, and then all of a sudden he caught fire, and he figured it, started to figure it out, and he's making contested – I mean, you do go, go and look at a cut-up of every T. Higgins target last second, the second half of the year and show me how many he he – really dropped i mean he started he started really going to get the ball and really understanding what he has to do to go get the ball and and learning the game and i think it's unfair partially on on all of our parts to put jamar chase in some sort of superhuman category uh that he's going to come in and light it up but it's fair to say that that's not what has happened so when we talk about fallers it's falling from expectations that were maybe unfair um but you know he's looking like a rookie receiver who's figuring it out, and but the skill set is there. I mean, you can see the explosion, you can see the separation when he needs it. You can, you know, you can see his his work ethic. He's he's super thick, you know, where you can see once they once they people try to tackle him, he'll be one of those guys that just breaks the first tackle every time, and and so you can see all that. Um, you know, he's he's after practice every day working through it a little more. So I think you like a lot of that stuff, but you know, as far as what has happened, he's, he's, he's finding his way the same way Burrow is in a lot of ways. They're kind of in the same boat. It'd be interesting too. I, we should reach out or, you know, shoot a note to Brody and, and see if he ever saw anything. I mean, some guys are just gamers. They, they aren't great practice players. Mm-hmm. Uh, that'll be something for fans to watch Saturday when the game comes, when they play the Buccaneers, you know, maybe the lights go on and he goes out and has a, a great, 
showing. I mean, you, you just don't know, but there's, as, as we've been saying with so many of these guys, it's even though we're two weeks into camp and the, the bulk of the camp part of it, as you said, is over, it, it's still really early. What do we, we have more than we have 33 days, 34 days until the opener. Um, just put that panic button aside and, and wait to push it until we get into September. Yeah, I, I would I would agree with that. I mean, and and let's watch the games, right? Yeah. I mean, let's watch the games, I and mean, that's where so much of the judging is going to happen. We can, I think, you set the base here, and you set kind of a level of what you're looking for when, when we go out there and we watch all these practices and tell you guys what we're seeing. It's the games that, in so many ways, determine things. Uh, number nine will not be in the preseason game on Saturday against Tampa, uh, being held on that. They're kind of going week to week on those decisions. Would they wheel him out in Washington? Oh, my God, in Washington. Could you really do that? Um, or would they wait for Miami potentially? Um, who knows? Um, but, you know, Burrow wants to do it. And he's really battling this comfort in the pocket thing. And if he thinks that's important for him, I think you let him do it. If if he feels like that will be a big thing, a big hurdle for him to feel like he has confidence in where he's going to look, what he's going to look like when Mike Zimmer starts coming after him uh, on the twelfth of September, if if he feels like he needs even a one that one series just to kind of get that quick feel, then give it to him. At some point, you got to stop being scared. You know, I mean, at some point, you've got to go out there and. Let a guy go play. I know the game doesn't count. And I know that, like, let's just get him to September 12th, right? Well, he needs to be mentally feeling like he's in the right place. And if he had just been just tearing it up and not voicing any concerns about comfort in the pocket throughout this entire preseason, sure, you laugh at that and say, yeah, see you on the 12th. Looks great, nine. That's not the case. He's telling you I need it. He's telling you give me Freeney and Mathis, Callahan and Pitcher in in the pocket on drills. He's telling you put more people around me. So I think you got to listen to that, and I, I would not be surprised if – I don't know how they're treating game three yet. I think we're going to figure that out. If they're treating game three as the dress rehearsal or if they're treating game three as the old game four. Um, but I think in one of those – you see them out there. You figure out who your starting five linemen are. You have all the starters out there, and you run them out there for a series or two and and give them some feel before he has to do it against Minnesota. That's my opinion. Um, I'm sure it's split in the building, but um, you know, I, I think if he's asking for it, you should give it to him. The thing is, you said you can't play scared, but but can you coach scared? I mean, think about it. If, if Even if Burrow – wants it, demands it, whatever, if Zach Taylor puts him out there and something happens and then this ends up being another four, three win season, Zach's gone, probably doesn't get another head coaching job. I mean, it, it, and really, I mean, the entire organization would be roasted if something happened. It just, the risk reward seems a little out of whack. Even if, even if Joe, it causes him to start the season a, a little slower, it just, it just feels like the the more conservative, safe decision to to not stick him in there at all. Um, whether it's Miami, whether it's Washington, whatever. The players have said they would like to. 
a lot of the receivers have said, yeah, they would like to see Joe play in the preseason and kind of get that live action feel with him. Joe's been on record saying he wants to, but you know, what, what player's not going to say, what, what player's going to say, no, nah, I'd rather not play. Um, it, it comes down to, to the front office and to Zach on, on whether they're willing to take that risk. And it is a big one. Um, and so that, that's what I wonder about it. If it's, if it's just playing it safe and, and not, not giving the, the critics fodder to just absolutely roast you if something does go wrong. I just don't think Mike Brown cares about the critics. <laughs> you know, I think this is about what is the conversation in that room with Mike and Duke and Katie and Troy and Zach and their whole group of people that meet every morning. What is that conversation? Is If they all are in agreement that this is important enough to let Joe do it, I don't think they give a damn that they'll get roasted if something goes wrong. You know, I, I really don't. I don't. I don't. At least I don't see that affecting them. Um, I, you know, obviously Mike's worried about it. He already told us he doesn't want Joe to play in the preseason. <laughs> but I, but that was before, kind of we we saw what yeah. we've seen, and then he's asked for what he's asked for. And that to me, that's the difference. You, you're you're you got to trust your quarterback to know what he needs. You know, and if if he feels like that's something he needs, Carson played in the preseason in 06. I I remember him scrambling and sliding and -hmm. thinking, oh, my God. (laughs) But I think he looked pretty good in that, and I think that helped him give give himself confidence as he tried to get over the mental aspect himself that year. And he's talked about that. He's done a number of interviews over the last year. I know people are well aware. Don't remind us, right? But where he talked about the mental aspect and how hard that was coming back for him. In 06, by the way, Carson put up a ton of yards. Um, but I think playing in the preseason was part of that too that, that year. And um, another thing to mention, I mentioned Carson scrambling, Jay, on Sunday, big play for Burrow, I thought, mm. was he took off he took off scrambling up the middle. And it was like uh, very instinctual. And it, yeah, we, we've seen him scramble out of pocket to the sideline. That was the first time we've seen him head up the field. And it wasn't a stick your foot in the dirt hard cut, but it was a full speed cut. Um, I think it was, I think it was Cheeto that was right there waiting on him up the middle. And he kind of p- tried to put a little juke on him and he'd go around him. And, um, it was, it, he looked, he looked good doing it. And the, I mean, the fans roared. The fans oh, loved yeah. it. It was almost like it was a deep ball completion. The the fans on hand really loved seeing that, and probably because they they didn't see much else. They they only ran I think six plays um, in eleven with with the ones, and one was the the Jamar drop, and the other were screens that che- Cheeto just completely sniffed out. So that was the biggest play that they had. The ones had on offense, um, but it was it was. Um, a good sign to, to see him do that. Not just the decision making to tuck it and run, but but to go full speed and and make a cut. That's 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 almost what you hear more of from guys coming off of ACLs is that that trust and planning and cutting more so than the traffic around your legs. Um, so just one play, but a, it, an encouraging sign. One we haven't seen. And afterwards, uh, Burrow and Chase are kind of running back towards the huddle, and they did that like the like 
jumping shoulder bump to each other. Not a high one, but and it was sort of like a little celebration, you know, of here he is out here running and cutting. I mean, I think he felt it a little bit too. And it's the first time we've seen him do that. So I, you know, I think it's all that was also kind of part of the process. Well, I think we've exhausted Burrow and Chase. <laughs> uh <laughs> but it's important. I mean, it's the yeah. It is. I I've, I can't. I gotta go back in my memory bank and really like grind hard to think about storylines that have been more prominent than this early in camp. I mean, where it's so clearly just the thing every day. And Burrow's always kind of the thing, but this early in camp, usually you start spreading across to different this guy and that guy and this battle and. It's really hard to get off of the main here. The main thing is the main thing, and uh, and and it's the kind of the daily, the daily progress of it has been pretty fascinating to follow. All right, let's just take a quick break. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Let's go into a few of the other things and we'll get out of here. Offensive line has some interesting stuff happening here. Um, Deontay Smith, who you may remember from the fourth round of this past year's draft, um, drafted as a kind of a project tackle out of East Carolina and has come in and impressed people, impressed people with his strength, impressed people with his ability to court, sort of take coaching, apply coaching, be better the next day, not make the same mistake twice, do the right things and and pick stuff up. Um, at least in the mind of Frank Pollock and Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan. And Zach sort of talked about that on sun- Sunday, I believe, right? And so you you have that, and then you have Jackson Carmen, the much more high-profile second-round pick who people have a lot of hope and expectations would show up and be the starting guard and – those are not the things being said about him. And all I know is if you really want to judge how coaches feel about players, you judge it by reps, you judge it by opportunity. And these coaches continue to give Deontay Smith opportunity and continue to give Jackson Carmen less of it. If that tells you where things are at and it's at guard, Deontay Smith was a tackle project. This was not a guy where they were like, I could kick in the guard. And here he is playing guard with the ones for multiple days. I mean, they are saying, we're going to give you a chance. We're going to give you a chance to go in there while Carmen continues to run with the twos or the threes or whatever. Carmen's had his run with the ones too, but when they had more opportunity to give Carmen reps with the ones as Quentin Spain has been battling some stuff, they didn't give it to him. They gave it to Deontay Smith. And to me, that speaks louder than anything anybody says. Yeah. I, I asked Deontay when they broached this idea of him playing guard and he said yesterday, 
It wasn't like this was a long term. Hey, let's take a look at this at some point. Obviously, there was something that that they that they didn't like from Carmen on on Friday because Deontay got first team reps on Saturday. So if Frank Pollock went to him on Saturday and mentioned the 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 idea of playing guard, that's it's but you you have to figure that's probably in the morning before the walk. They're like, hey, we're going to try this, and he goes out there right away and does first team reps. I, I couldn't I couldn't help but think. I mean, Zach went on and on about Deontay Smith, but part of that too is because we asked three or four follow ups, so it wasn't like this long diatribe. But everything he said about Deontay Smith, I I. I I think he truly believes it, but it also felt like he was subtweeting Jackson Carmen because he was mentioning <laughs> he was mentioning the takes coaching, uh, what he's learned and applies it. He mentioned his Deontay's commitment to his body, to being he he, he talked about at the the senior bowl how Deontay came in with this list and he said this is the weight I wanted to be at at the Senior Bowl. This is where I want to be for the Combine. This is where I want to be when I report to the NFL. This is where I want to be for the start of training camp. This is where I want to be for the start of the the, the season. And the four that have already passed, he hit every time. He worked with a nutritionist, put on weight. Um, it just it seemed like everything that that Zach was saying was you know kind of almost a backhand way of saying Jackson hasn't done those things. Yeah. I, I mean, I, it's hard to, it's hard to not see it through that lens when you just all of a sudden just change plans, um, midstream. So I, you know, I don't know what that means. I, I would be very nervous if Deontay Smith was actually in the picture. Here's the thing though, you know, Quentin Spain will be fine. It's just a minor thing. Xavier Suofilo's out there been running with the twos for most of camp. Um, but I think that's because, Everyone knows what Quentin Spain and Xavier Suofilo are and will be. There are 134 starts between the two of them. You know your level with those guys. You do not know the level with Michael Jordan and his, you know, re-attacking this thing. You do not know the level with Deontay Smith. You do not know the level with Jackson Carmen. You do not know the level with a lot of these other guys they're running through there. So give them a chance to show you their level and see if it's better than Suofilo in Spain who could go in there without a camp and play in week one and you kind of know what you're going to get because they're vets. You know what they are. And so I think that's what they're doing. And yeah, there's mind games in it. They're trying to motivate this dude mm -hmm. to get the most out of these big physical skills that he has and, and to understand what being a pro is. We'll go back to the first time we asked Zach about this. He needs to, it started with being a pro on and off the field. How many times have we been in the camp, Jay, and heard that damn line? Yeah. It means lot. this dude needs to figure out what it means uh, when he's not playing to take care of things, to take care of business, to know the playbook, to take care of your body, to be on top of it, to understand how important it is and, and what that looks like. Um, it happens every year we hear those lines. And I think they're, you know, this is them and Frank Pollock trying to figure out how, what buttons they can push to get it out of Jackson Carmen. Um, and if that means using Deontay Smith in the process, uh, then that's what that means. 
Yeah, and another just a note on the the direct correlation between those two. I mean, Jackson Carmen's been at right guard. They're they're playing Deontay Smith at left guard, and maybe that's yeah, just because Quentin Spain's out, and that's where they they want to take a look at him. It doesn't necessarily mean that that this is a direct, I don't know, replacement or depth chart change. But it just it it's interesting any way you look at it for a guy that. They never brought up the idea. Deontay Smith said, yeah, I expected this because that's what everybody told me is when you get to the NFL, you need to learn to play multiple positions. But nobody for the Bengals from draft day until yesterday or Saturday with the direct conversation with Deontay said anything about that guy playing guard. So as the offensive line turns, you know, I, I, but I think, you know, Jonah, Riley Reef. Trey Hopkins, when he's been in there, I think have all been very solid. I think you feel really good about those three spots that you thought you'd feel really good about, and that's good. And you're, you know, you're just kind of waiting to see how this guard thing plays itself out, and it continues to turn. And again, set the base in the training camp part. It's about the games, especially for these guys, man. I mean, <laughs> when you're in this competition, you got to go out there and prove it in the games, and that's all there is to it. And it's going to be all eyes on the guard spot. Uh, for all four quarters uh, against Tampa, against the football team, and against the Dolphins. So we'll be keeping an eye on all that. Meanwhile, we're uh, whatever we are now, 47 minutes into this thing. We haven't mentioned the unit that's been dominating every practice, and that's the defense. Uh, they continue to do that. They're all over my risers. Uh, if you want to go check it out, I mean, secondary continues to look good. We've mentioned Cheeto a bunch here on this. He's been good, man. I, I, I he's no clear, to me. He was the cle- he's the clear winner of the early part of camp. He looks like that guy you thought you were getting because remember the story on him. Bad rough year last year, but he had injuries. He was battling through. Dallas was a defensive just mess everywhere, and he never quite felt right. He said, but if it was such an outlier from his first three seasons, which were very solid. Um, He kind of fell into this. He was a high-profile second-round pick in a high-profile market, and he was highly scrutinized. And I think he really felt like a great change of scenery candidate and admitted that to to us when he signed. They just hoped that they were getting that guy from the first three years, not the guy from last year. And, what we're seeing is a guy from the first three years, without doubt. He he looks fantastic. He's he's covering his ass off. He's 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 smelling out screens and and getting his hand on the ball. He's really doing it all. Yeah, and I mean Trey Wayne's has been out the last few practices, or out at least in terms of team drills. And so Cheeto's been that 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 number one corner, and it it hasn't affected at all. He's making plays down the field on deep balls. We've mentioned a couple times the screens he sniffed out yesterday. Um, he, he just it is. He was, if you were ranking the, the most impressive guys in camp so far, either side of the ball, I mean, maybe the only other one that could even possibly be close at this point would be Evan McPherson, the rookie kicker, who's just been lights out. But yeah, Cheeto is at the top of that list, no matter how you grade it. Yeah. I also mentioned Logan Wilson, um, who I, I I sort of wrote this in the piece, but I swear every day I look down and see 55 TFL in my notes, like every day. I mean, he's just, I, he just seems to be attacking the gaps much faster. You know, he's, he, we know what he is as a cover guy. He kind of made his, his mark as that in college and that was his reputation. Uh, he's got the green dot. 
which means he's the guy making the calls. The coaches have that confidence in him. He's playing with it, um, showing all the signs of second year linebacker leap and and really looking 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 good early on. A lot to like about the way Logan is playing, and and, and that defense has a lot of guys that are that are looking good early on. And but we'll see what it looks like um, against Tom Brady's backup. Whoever that is down in Tampa, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm assuming we're not going to see number twelve uh, no. in Tampa, but uh, yeah. So we'll keep be keeping an eye on that. All of that to to follow. I'll be down there. We'll have uh, the walkout after the game. All the things that you love about game day with the Bengals, uh, and hear that podcast growling coming your way. Shout out to the Bengal boys uh, who do our intro. Uh, are uh, we're playing on the field at the f- practices? They're the they're doing some stuff for the Bengals now. I guess people were inspired. I assume inspired by the way they did the open here, not the viral videos they were doing last <laughs> yeah. year. But shows that the Bengals are listening to hear that podcast growling. Uh, but they were down there playing songs and doing different Bengals, whatever. I don't even know what they were singing, but they were the, the growl and everything else. So uh, shout out to the Bengal boys who are moving on up. Are they too big for us now? They are big time. I I, I, t- I talked to them uh, after Saturday's practice and, you know, I, we go in, we turn our COVID trackers in. I was walking back out and here come those guys walking in to the players parking lot. We're not even allowed to park inside Man. the gate and they let the Bengal boys park inside the gate. That shows how big those guys are. Yeah, and how little we are. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> They're strong, we're weak. Hit me with the big gulp. Uh, so, all right, that'll wrap us up. Uh, we will, uh, again, have more as we go into game week here. Uh, but make sure you keep it locked. Again, uh, if you wanted to get in on that subscription offer, the 50% off, you, you pretty much need to do it today. Uh, so hop on to any of the stories we've been talking about, Rogers and Fallers, the Sunday recap, um, Jay's story on Forrest Gregg. Uh, there's a number uh, of those up on the site right now. Go to any of them and click the link, uh, and you can subscribe, and then you'll have us at 50% off for the full year, all the season, into the draft and free agency and everything else, uh, plus all insiders all across the league, uh, across the you know, you're going to want to be reading everything C Trent's writing right now because the Reds are hot fire and about to be in the middle of a pennant race. And UC's got one of the most anticipated football seasons coming up in recent history. And Justin's, Justin Williams is all over that. So a lot to like and a lot to get uh, for that subscription offer. So highly recommend you hop on the board. That's all I got. So uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We will talk to you next time when you hear that podcast, Grant.